One of them's got a face for radio, and the other is blind as a bat. You be the judge of which is which. It's TM5, sponsored by Hannah Strawn Realty. Dan Marino should rot in hell. Nobody knows anything about brain. America! Who wants some Arnie Palmies? Everybody love everybody! Jesus, what happened to your face? Grizzly Adams did have a beard. Do you not realize I have had diarrhea since Easter's? <laughs> Wake up, West Georgia. It's time for your favorite morning podcast. It is Thursday, August 3rd. 2023 and as always it's a good good day it's bryce it's billy we are back again uh it is national watermelon day bryce i'm a huge watermelon fan uh i know you yes love watermelon we've talked about it before on the podcast in this household when we buy a watermelon we cut into it the entire watermelon is gone that day we don't have leftover watermelon in this house um yes yes please watermelon watermelon for five thousand, alex Here's the weird thing. I'm, I'll eat watermelon, but I'm not a big fan of eating it. Okay. But I like the watermelon, like artificial flavor. Does that make sense? Does it have something to do with the texture of the watermelon? Because it's like, it, it's almost like mushy water, maybe? I, I don't know because, like, I love pineapple. Okay. And it's kind of the same texture. You know what I mean? I would say so pineapple's I, a bit firmer than, than watermelon, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't know, but I, I mean, I'll eat it. Um, I'm just not a huge, huge fan of it. So I got you. Uh, well, send them over here. Also, <laughs> yeah, I will. Yeah. It's also National Grab Some Nuts Day. Uh, I know you're a big fan of this too. Hey, as well. One of my favorite days. One of my favorite days of all the um, of all the holidays we celebrate here on the Morning Five. Grab Some Nuts Day has to be oh. right top five for sure. No doubt, top five. Grab Some Nuts Day. Uh, you know, I, I go back and forth on what nuts I want to grab the most. Um, you know, it's a hard choice for me because there's so many good nuts out there. And, yeah, you know, half the sure. time I, I just can't figure out which nuts I want to grab the most. Uh, peanuts are up there. Um, big fan of peanuts. Almonds, love almonds. Cashews, those are really good. Um, pistachios, love pistachios. Big pistachio guy. So, um, as everybody knows, I'm a big nut guy. I love nuts. It's one of my favorite little snack foods is any sort of nut they uh they have up at Publix they have an almond that is covered in wasabi and soy sauce and it is phenomenal I mean you grab too many of those and toss them in your mouth and you are regretting that decision instantly because of you know that um that wasabi that gets in there it's pretty good so yeah big fan of grab some nuts day yeah I mean I know that you're a big fan of putting nuts in your mouth so it's it's always a good day when you get some grab some nuts day yeah so all right, Bryce, uh, Braves finished off uh, the Angels last night in impressive fashion. Uh, beat the, the Angels in a just, oh, it was hot as hell yesterday. 12 to 5, Acuna had three RBIs. Albies, Riley, Darno, and Harris all had two RBIs apiece. Offense came to life, and you you were excited to see it. Olsen also added an RBI. Um, I mean, they just keep going. Torinos had five innings pitched last night, three earned five Ks. And and for a kid that, you know, you're not expecting much out of, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that out of Chorizo. That was nice to see. He might be a good addition to the Braves' uh, rotation. I, I don't know if he's going to stay in it for very long, especially when we get, get healthy. But he looked good yesterday, man. It's, it's nice when you can go out there as a pitcher. And, you know, you get a three-run lead in the third, and then you then you come out in the fifth to go pitch, and you have a nine-run lead. Um, so that, that fifth inning, you're sort of just, I, you're just throwing whatever balls you want to out there. 
Um, yep. I kind of wish they'd have left him in just a little bit longer because of the massive lead they had and gave the bullpen a break. But I mean, that's that's being very, very nitpicky on, on <laughs> kind of getting on top of a uh, Brian Snicker. So you know, that I just I just like to see when pitchers get a big lead. I like to see those starters go deeper into games, even if they're not even even if they don't have the best command or they don't have all their stuff in the mound up there. Like, I mean, if you got a seven run lead give your bullpen a break and let that starter try to go deeper. But it might've been one of those situations where maybe he didn't have anything. Maybe he told Snicker he didn't have anything. And so that's what they pulled him. But yeah, 12 to yeah. five win against the, uh, against the angels. Nice way to sort of get back on track after a sweep with the brewers. You know, we were kind of talking about the slow start after the all-star game and that's uh, starting to get turned around here, uh, winning five of our last six games, which is nice to see. Yeah. And all, all on the, at home. So it was good to see that. Uh, Braves go back out onto the road this weekend, start a three-game set in Wrigley. Here's the good news. Starting pitcher for Friday night, or starting pitcher for Friday afternoon, excuse me, all of games are 220 this weekend. Max Freed. Oh. Welcome back, Max. Oh, there, well, there's, there we go. We didn't have to do a trade at the trade deadline to get better. We just had to get healthy. Yeah. yeah, so getting yeah. Freed back was awesome. Have you heard? I, I haven't seen or heard anything. Kyle Wright, do we have an ETA on when we think he might be back? They said it last this past week during the all, or during the uh, trade deadline week that they think that Kyle Wright will be back this, this season. Really? So probably closer to September. But, I mean, I'll take it. Wow. If we can get Kyle Wright healthy, oh, that's dangerous. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So Braves have an off day today. Uh, begin a three-game set with the Cubbies on Friday, and we'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. Uh, Bryce, you're going to finish up your SEC preview today. Absolutely. Let's hit it up. We got some of the top dogs in today's SEC preview, no pun intended. Uh, but we're going to start with sort of the bottom feeders here first. Kentucky. Uh, I I don't I don't know what Kentucky is. They're almost an enigma. Um, a sluggish offense prevented Kentucky last year from climbing the ladder in the SEC East. Uh, Coach Mark Stoops wasted no time in making changes, though, bringing in Liam Cohen from the NFL to play, uh, call plays and hitting the transfer portal hard for help. The quarterback uh, Devin Leary arrived from NC State to replace Will Levis as the team's number one signal caller while inheriting one of the SEC's top receiving cores for Kentucky. Uh, to replace star running back Chris Rodriguez Jr., Kentucky added Vanderbilt transfer Ray Davis. His production last year will depend, or this year will depend heavily on how successful the staff has been at rebuilding the arguably the country's worst offensive line. It's ter- it was terrible last year. That's why Will Levis didn't play an entire year because he got hit every other drop back. Defensive tackle Deion Walker, a 2022 freshman All-American, might be the best draft the best NFL draft prospect on the entire roster. Inside linebackers Traven well, uh, Wallace and De'Eric Jackson have big shoes to fill after the departure of DeAndre Square and Jaquez Jones, but they gained plenty of experience last season uh, in mop-up duties and when um, uh, Jones got hurt for a period of time as well last year. Safeties Jordan Lovett and Zion Childress are outside linebackers and J.J. Weaver. They both look to poise for the type of breakout season that could see them in the all-SEC discussion at linebacker for the uh, Kentucky Wildcats. I I don't have much faith in Kentucky. I know last year I picked them to do really good, mainly because of Will Levis. This year, bringing in a kid that played a bit up at NC State, but uh, something that I'm not sold on at quarterback yet. 
I got Kentucky sitting at seven and five, kind of just a mess season. It's going to be a little bit more of a rougher uh, time for Kentucky this year. Um, I, I agree with you. Yep. Uh, let's head down to uh, Gainesville, over to Florida. Uh, Florida expects success at a high level, but patience is needed as second-year coach Billy Napier begins year two of his rebuilding effort in Gainesville after a disappointing 6-7 and seven record last year. The Gators must replace quarterback Anthony Richardson and standout lineman Osiris Torrance, who uh, Wisconsin transfer quarterback Graham Mertz uh, is down there behind a solid offensive line and ground game. And that kind of holds the key to the 2023 season for the Florida Gators is that run game. Uh, Graham Mertz is not a guy, in my opinion, that's going to go out there and win you a bunch of games. But he is a solid game management quarterback. So if they can have nice parity in between the run and pass, I think they'll do all right this year. Uh, the Gators defense, though, declined last year, reaching new lows in 2022. University of Florida allowed opponents to convert on an SEC worst 49.1% of third downs and yielded at least 30 points and six losses. Teams were almost 50% on third down last year against the Gators. Many blamed coordinator Patrick Tony's youth, but when Tony 32 left the NFL, Napier hired 29-year-old Austin Armstrong. So a lot of people said uh, Tony was too young. He was 32. So what did Napier do? He hired a younger guy at 29 to take over uh, after Patrick Tony left. I don't. I see Kentucky and Florida at about the same depth and talent i think they're both gonna go seven and five i give florida seven and five as well oh i know florida gator fans are gonna be angry about that but, hey, there's yeah. a lot of hype down there in gainesville and i've seen people picking them for the sec east i just don't see it and maybe that's something that's gonna pop out first couple of weeks of the season and show how dominant and good florida gators are gonna be this year but right now on paper man i i just don't see it from the gators before we even get to that that point in, in this preview those people who are picking other teams are just standing out for clickbait. Oh, honestly. for sure. Oh, for sure. And, and Bryce will talk about this, but the person who are the team that's won the, the SEC East the past two plus seasons is not going to lose it this year. No. Especially with this um, schedule that they have. No, no. There's, there's only, in my opinion, there's only three teams right now that are vying for an SEC championship. That's it. One of yeah. them we talked about yesterday in LSU. Uh, and the other two we're going to talk about right now. After I burp. Oh, that, oh man, that was, that was bad. I was weak. Yeah. No, I muted my mic. <laughs> uh -huh. Sparkling water in the morning was not a good idea. Uh, let's head over to Alabama. Let's head over to Alabama. Alabama enters the 2023 college football season in different territory. The Crimson Tide were topped by LSU in the SEC West standings last year and opened 2023 with more question marks than previous years. Both sides of the ball have a new play caller and standouts Bryce Young and Will Anderson must be replaced. However, talent is not in short supply in Tuscaloosa. Alabama's formerly run-heavy philosophy shifted in the mid-2010s beginning in uh, 2018. The Tides attack blossomed into one of the college football's most explosive passing games, but Alabama's offense has slowed down slightly last season, finishing 11th in yards per game, uh, the first time the Tide had finished outside of the top 10 since 2017. New coordinator Tommy Reese will use Saban's playbook and not the system he ran at Notre Dame, but you can expect Alabama to lean more on its run game as it finds its way uh, through the quarterback situation that they're going through. Senior Jace McClellan 
who had 655 yards and seven rushing touchdowns last year, is the Tide's leading returning rusher. Star cornerback Kool-Aid McKinstry, 15 pass deflections last year, returns to anchor the back end. But there are questions at safety position, as well as the fifth and sixth defensive back rolls, which are more important in Saban's defense because of the defense he runs and because of the defensive substitutions he uses. The post-spring addition of transfer Jalen Key and Trey Amos could certainly solve some of the team's concerns about the depth of the DB. I think Bama's going to be good this year. They're not going to be historically good and world beaters like they have been, you know, three, four, five years ago. Um, I'm not I'm not ready to say the Bama dynasty is over by any stretch of the imagination. I know a lot of UGA fans are trying to get there, but I'm not there. Uh, I got Bama probably going 10-2 and in meeting a certain someone in the uh, SEC championship game. Okay, that'll be a fun fun matchup in the SEC championship. But I know who you're going with. Yeah, it's um the West. The person that's going to represent the SEC from the West is either going to be Bama or LSU, and that and that game's going to be and that uh, representation will be determined when LSU and Bama play each other next year. So it's going to be one of those two squads. And the squad I'm taking for the SEC East and to win the SEC overall, it's UGA. It's the Bulldogs. Uh, winning the national championship three years in a row is no easy task. However, Georgia is positioned to do just that in 2023. Coach Kirby Smart's team won't have quarterback Stetson Bennett or key defenders like Jalen Carter, Keely Ringo, or Christopher, uh, Christopher Smith leading the way, but ne- the next wave of stars is ready to emerge up there in Athens. Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff battled it out all spring, and they'll continue to do so in the fall. Uh, possibly even up until the season starts. Whoever wins the job, though, will have plenty of weapons. I think it's going to be Carson Beck. I'm like 99.9% sure it will be Carson Beck. Uh, but they'll have plenty of weapons to use up in Athens. The Bulldogs bring back Brock Bowers, the nation's top tight end, and arguably the, its top player, and one of the greatest tight ends of all time, and some serious production at receiver with Lad McConkey leading the way out there. Georgia dipped into the transfer portal and got leading receivers from Michigan State and Missouri, Ra-Ra Thompson and Dominic Lovett, respectively. They are expected to make large impacts in Athens this fall. Then there's the offensive line, where Georgia continues to reload. The Bulldogs return four guys with the starting experience, and those close to the program believe that they have about 10 guys that they trust to go out there and play winning football on Saturday on the offensive line. So, they have the front the front five and then a backup five who everybody that, that I've read and everybody that has talked about that offensive line, they expect all 10 of those guys to be the 10 best offensive linemen in the entire nation. Uh, believe it or not, 2022 was sort of a rebuilding year on defense for the Bulldogs. That's clear to see when you look at the returning production in 2023. Uh, it will also it also starts up front where grizzled veterans Zion Logan, Nazir Stackhouse, Tremel Walfauer, and Warren Brinson are back. Younger guys like Tyron Ingram Dawkins are expected to have massive production and massive impact this year. While Mikel Williams, who missed most of the spring uh, with a relatively minor foot surgery, is best of the bunch and back and ready for action in the fall. I don't see UGA losing a single game in the regular season. I got them going 12 and 0, winning the SEC East, winning the SEC, and going back to the college football playoffs. You shouldn't have them losing. I mean, if you and I, I've messed with Georgia fans about this, but in all reality, Georgia fans know. If you look at at the schedule for Georgia this year, it's a cakewalk. It's an absolute cakewalk for Georgia. Georgia should have no issues. The only issue that they may run into is they are traveling to Knoxville late, like 
late in the season. I think it's like November it's the second to last game. 18th or something. Yeah. That's it. And that that may be your only stumble. You know what I mean? So I I mean you, I mean, you also got Auburn on the road, but that is the very first that's, uh, that, that's very easy. Oh, it's a rivalry game. I mean, I, Auburn's I not know, good, but it's but. not it's a rivalry game just as much as Ohio State Michigan was 10 years ago. Yeah, everything changes. And uh, yeah, trust me, well aware. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Georgia's schedule is easy, but I'm not going to give them a hard time for that because it's not their fault that it's this easy. They had two opponents. Oh, and they I, were I mean, I know, but I'm just, I'm not, giving them, I'm not saying it's their fault. I'm just, I'm just saying it's, it's going to be a cakewalk for them. Should be, should be. I don't know. Georgia Tech looks good this year. Yeah. How about <laughs> we move on then? Uh, <laughs> that was the SEC preview with Bryce. Uh, we. We finish up our, or we continue our all NFL team today with the NFL all defense. Um, how about we go position group by position group, Bryce? Let's do it. I'll give mine, you do yours, and then we'll go back and forth. All right. All right. Uh, so let's start with defensive line. And and granted, Bryce chose his, and then I chose mine, and they're completely different. So we didn't do it like we did with baseball and hockey, where we were like, okay, this is this is going to be, um, you know, we could have the same players. We're, we're just going to do something different. Um, minus one. I, I did choose one of yours. Uh, defensive line, Michael Strahan. Lawrence Taylor. What? Uh, Lawrence Taylor technically is a linebacker, but he was a lot. He was a lineman. I'm sorry. He just was. Um, it's, it was one of those linebackers that was up on the line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and he was he was a menace. Michael Strahan, one of the greatest pass rushers of all time. Cameron Hayward, who is still active, in my mind, is is one of the best defensive linemen that I've ever seen play. And it's I've seen him all the way going back through college because you and I got a, a wonderful chance to watch him <laughs> grow up in college. And then J.J. Watt. Um, J.J. Watt is just an absolute menace to society, and I, I love watching J.J. Watt play. Watt's one of those guys that has a big what if above his name. Like, what if J.J. Watt could have stayed healthy is his career, Dude, entire no career, joke. you know? Um, no joke. Very, very talented, but he just he couldn't stay healthy, man. It sucks because he, he was, he was like you said, it was like trying to block a bear. I mean, it was try, like trying to block a bear out there on the defensive line. Uh, right. My defensive linemen are Reggie White, Aaron Donald, Joe Green, and Warren Sapp. I mean, all, all three of those guys were game plan guys. Like the offense went in, it had a game plan specifically against all four of those guys to make sure that that offense didn't get absolutely. I mean, I remember teams actively running away all game long against Reggie White. I remember, you know, watching those NFL films and they were talking, they were just like, we'd come in on Monday and we're like, all right, we're not rushing, you know, whatever side Reggie White's on. We're not sending the ball that way. Same with Aaron Donald, uh, Aaron Donald, who just, continues his career and is an absolute menace wherever he goes mean joe green i mean when you have a when you have a, a name like that and you're part of the steel curtain up there in pittsburgh like he's an all-timer and then warren sap uh an absolute dog in the middle oh. of that defensive line for tampa bay in the 90s and 2000s i mean warren sap might be my favorite defensive lineman of all time but yeah that's that's my d-line group hit me with your linebackers linebackers i got jack lambert 
Dick Buckus and Ray Lewis. I mean, you you can't they sound like linebackers. Uh, they do. The, I mean, those are those are linebacker names. It was really tough for me not to just uh, go with um, you know with all uh, with all Ohio State linebackers there because uh, because I could have I could have gone so instead of going AJ just Hawk. yeah AJ Hawk you know uh, and so instead of doing that I just, I went with Jack Lambert. He's from Ohio, part of the Steel Curtain. He played. Uh, up there in Pittsburgh with Mean Joe Green, Dick Buckus. I mean, with a name like that, you got to be a mean sob. Like, you know, he got picked on. I remember, I remember watching once again NFL films and running back saying that Dick Buckus would tackle you with one hand, and his hand was so strong, his grip strength, grip strength was so strong. If you tackled you around the ankles, you would have a bruise where his hand tackled you just by him grabbing you and pulling you down to the ground. Uh, dude was an absolute menace, and Ray Lewis. I mean, anybody who's alive now saw Ray Lewis play football. He is the Ray Lewis is yep. the greatest linebacker of all time. There's no questions about that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my uh, that's my linebacking core. Give me Junior Seau, Brian Erlacher, and Chuck Knoll. You want to talk about three guys that were just mean as hell? Seau was one of those one of those linebackers that was the fastest I can remember going downhill. Like Seau was in the backfield a lot more than most running backs were. Um, Brian Erlacher was one of the best, um, you know, played a lot right there. When you were talking about linebackers in the 90s and 2000s, Brian Erlacher was right there alongside Ray Lewis. I mean, let's be real. Um, and then Chuck Knoll. Chuck Knoll was one of those guys in, in Pittsburgh that was ridiculous. So uh, give me give me those three for linebacker. Um you know, you hate to see what happened with, with Junior Seau. Um, and uh, Brian Erlacher is still, he's he's a goofy character, man. When he he jumps on pad, it's it's fun to watch. Yeah. All right, give me, uh, I'll do the DBs to start with because uh, yours are going to be better because they just are. Um, DBs, Ed Reed, Rondé Barber, Tant Bailey, and Charles Woodson. Um, I had to start with Ed Reed. Ed Reed was one of those safeties that you have to mention when you talk about greatest DBs of all time. Um, he would come up and, and play on the line, or he would also be smacking you in the mouth from from, from deep. Uh, Rondé Barber was a hell of a DB, and um, I had to throw that name on there for our buddy Matt Ridgway. Champ Bailey also for Matt Ridgway because he did go to Georgia and you have him as well. Um, spoiler alert. Um, and as much as it pained me to put it on there because Bryce and I can't stand this guy, uh, Charles Woodson. Um, he's terrible. He's, it shouldn't be on there. He's he's awful. As much as I couldn't stand him, he was a hell of a DB. Bad guy. Like he, was, he, was a, he, he was a bad guy. Bad guy. He's a bad guy just as much as Tom Brady's a bad guy. But you put him on your quarterback list, so I had to put Woodson as my hey, DB. Hey, Tom Brady didn't grow up in Ohio, have a scholarship to Ohio State, and then go to Michigan. Um, okay. TB12 didn't do that. Charles Woodson did. Him and Trey Burke. There's a name nobody else on this podcast knows but you and I. <laughs> Give me your DBs. Uh, my DBs. I'm going to go with Deion Sanders, who is arguably the greatest athlete of all time. We were talking about this the other day in the WhatsApp. I, it's, it's either Deion Sanders or Bo Jackson. Um, and, and Deion has to be up there for DBs. I mean, he still they still use tape of Deion Sanders DBs to show young rookie DBs uh, in, in the NFL of how to play different positions. 
and Darrell Revis. Like Revis Island was a legit thing back when he back when Darrell Revis was in his prime, dude. Up with the New York Jets when um, uh, Rob Ryan uh, or not Rob uh, Rex Ryan was up there head coaching, and they had one of the best defenses I've ever seen. You know, back to back division champions up there for the Jets. Darrell Revis was an absolute menace. You could not throw to his side of the field. Rod Woodson, he's up there, the top four um, uh, DBs of all time. It was really, it was really hard for me to choose between Rod and Charles. I'll be honest with you. Rod and Charles were like neck and neck for me, so I went with Rod. And then you and I both got Champ Bailey back there. Champ Bailey is probably, I would say, the second greatest DB of all time behind Deion Sanders. Uh, Champ Bailey, former UGA Bulldog, was an absolute menace out there in Denver for years and years. He was one of the best DBs the NFL has ever seen. Um, and uh, I, I left Jalen Ramsey off the off the list, although I think he could pop up inside the top four before his career is uh, said and done. And then I'll give you a name to, to look out for, a name 10 years down the road that I think will be in the top four greatest DBs, top five greatest DBs, of all time, I think Sauce Gardner is going to be up there, man, because that dude wow. is a monster. Um, wow! Yeah, the okay. the way he I, I listened to Deion Sanders the other day talk about uh, Sauce Gardner, and um, the the complimentary words that Dion had for Sauce Gardner was really eye opening, and Dion broke down his body movement and leg movement more than I ever would have been able to pick up with my naked eye. It was pretty cool. So yeah, look out for Sauce Gardner like ten years down the road being a top five DB of all time. If he can stay healthy, that's always the big caveat. Yep. Give me the Marines South scoreboard, bud. On the Marines South scoreboard from last night, Marlins beat the Phillies 9-8, Nats beat the Brewers 3-2, and the Royals beat the rebuilding Mets 4 to nothing. In softball, <laughs> we had Harrelson County at Mount Zion. It was just a scrimmage, um, and I couldn't find any You're probably not going to post score. anything about the scrimmage. Yeah, that's... that's kind of what I was thinking. I couldn't find any score from the scrimmage last night, although I do know they uh, they did play last night in a little bit of a scrimmage. On the Smith's four covering games and events calendar for tonight in softball, we have Central versus East Coweta, also a scrimmage. Uh, and we will have Hurt County versus Cedartown. That is also a scrimmage, and that is out at University of West Georgia. That's kind of cool that they have a little scrimmage out there at UW. And the NFL kicks off tonight. We have the NFL Hall of Fame game, Jets versus the Brides up there in Canton, Ohio. So tune in for that as we get the NFL season kicked off and ready to go. Hey, Bryce, we're one day away, man. We are. We are. Tomorrow, tomorrow we get high school football. Dude, I'm, I'm pumped. Pumped. Pretty Going to pick up Gavin from his mama's on Friday afternoon and drive down to Heard County, and we're going to enjoy some Heard County versus Bowden. Yeah, y'all are gonna, so, yeah, that's right. Y'all will all be down there for Heard County versus Bowden, right? Yep. Nice. Yep, yep, yep. That'll be good. Hey, you need another cup of coffee? Yes, sir. Another cup of coffee brought to you by realtor Hannah Strawn with the Robert Goolsby Real Estate Group. Florida State would consider leaving the ACC due to revenue distribution. And this has just been embarrassing for the ACC, honestly. Ever since they decided to, you know, get in bed with ESPN and, and say this is the ACC network, nothing has really fit properly for the ACC. And the fact that Florida State, who is a big name, maybe not nearly as big as it would have been 15, 20 years ago, but it's a big name. 
wanting to leave is huge, Bryce. It is, man. That's um, that's not good for the ACC. Uh, that's that's one of their their bell cows. Like you said, it's it's still a big name, not as big as it was in the late '90s, but it's still a big it's still a big recognizable name. Um, yeah, I I think this is I think what's going to happen is it's going to end up being two or three super conferences in college football. And we're just going to kind of roll from there. I think it's going to be the Big Ten and the SEC, obviously. Um, and then probably the Big 12, I would think. Uh, and the SEC and Pac-10 are just going to sort of go by the wayside and not really be conferences anymore. So it's, it's the landscape the of – Yeah, the ACC. The, the landscape of college football is changing drastically, uh, and it'll continue to change over probably five next five to eight years. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see where all these teams land. Speaking of the Big Ten, the Big Ten is exploring possible expansion amid Pac-12 instability, and you want to talk about instability. They're talking to Oregon. They're talking to Oregon State. They're talking to Washington, Washington State. This could be a huge, huge turnover for, like we talked about, conference conference expansion. Good Lord, why could I not say that at this point? <laughs> Good oh, my God. Um, but it's you talked about it. It's, it's going to be interesting as hell this 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 year. So, or this five ten years from now, man, it's it's going to be completely different college football than what we're what we've been watching. It's going to be chaotic. I can I can guarantee that it is going to be chaotic over the next couple of years for college football. Inter Miami coach expects rough treatment of Messi in League Cup. Yeah, uh, so uh, Lionel Messi won. Uh, Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi in Inter, uh, Inter Milan. Inter Miami won three to one last night over Orlando City, and uh, Messi was was jostled and agitated and, and buffed up a little bit last night versus Orlando City, um, and that's what uh, that's what Tata Martinez he said. You know, I, I, we kind of expect this. He's the greatest player to ever play soccer, and he's coming over in the in the poverty league in the MLS, and he's gonna play with a lot of these guys that are getting paid thirty five dollars an hour. Um, and you know, he's going to get, he's going to get roughed up in these games. So it, it'll be interesting to see how chippy everybody gets uh, with Lionel Messi. Uh, he scored in the seventh minute last night. Uh, and after that, things just kind of went, got chippier and chippier, uh, especially after Orlando city tied the game after the 10 minute mark. So it'll be interesting to see how they treat Lionel Messi in the, in the league. Tom Brady becomes a minority owner of Birmingham city. And this is a minor league soccer team right well it's a it's a it's a english soccer club um okay yeah they're in the second oh, oh the other one okay yes yeah i think there's actually a birmingham isn't there a birmingham city or a birmingham uh minor league soccer club yes there here? is um the birmingham oh. hell i've gone watched them play uh hammers i think it's the birmingham hammers okay yeah i think it's birmingham hammers but this is this is the english soccer club this is the um yeah, yeah set yeah uh, second second tier so the championship um, oh. I, I don't, I don't know how this came about. I couldn't find any ties between Tom Brady and soccer clubs. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he, um, the Knighthead Capital Management LLC, and he will become the chairman of the advisory board at the club. It's, uh, I, I don't know, kind of weird, but interesting, weird, but interesting. We'll see if Tom Brady kind of takes the, um, the Deadpool and Rob McElhaney path. And, I was about to mention yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, it leads Birmingham City to a championship. Odd, but I think that's neat that, you know, American sports stars are getting involved in, in English soccer. Finally, today in 1936, Atlanta, or excuse me, American sprinter Jesse Owens wins the 100-meter 
in 10.3 seconds in front of Adolf Hitler in a famous race at the Berlin Olympics. First of four gold medals ah, of the game. Suck it, Hitler. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and that was a, that was a huge thing, historically speaking, just because of everything that was going on uh, with with race. And uh, yeah, that was yeah. a big, big time. Yeah, suck it. <laughs> what do we do? We send Buckeyes over there to annihilate y'all. <laughs> Go Bucks. You got anything else for us, bud? Nah, man. Let's get out of here on a Thursday. Hey, you get to watch football tonight. I do. Uh, I might get to watch a little bit of it. I don't know. We have we have we have football practice tonight. Is it actual practice or is it conditioning? No, it's at, we started actual practice this week. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We started actual practice this week, so I'll, I'll, be, going. I'll be able to watch the second half. It's been going. It's been going okay. We got a lot of a lot of new fresh faces out there. Um, a lot of kids who this is their first year playing tackle football, so it it's going to be a steep learning curve, but. Nobody's quit so far, so that's a, that's good, I guess. With you, that's that's saying a lot. Yeah, pretty good. That's it for the morning five for Thursday, August third. Come back tomorrow. We've got plenty to talk about tomorrow. We're gonna have the Credible Pulp Soft Turn Dollars. We're gonna have Villarica's preview, which Bryce is gonna handle uh, because Bryce is gonna be the voice of the Villarica Wildcats. And then uh, what else we got tomorrow? Um, Braves versus Cubs and uh, the all NFL special teams and which I'm sure Pat McAfee will somehow end up being on there. What? <laughs> For Bryce, I'm Billy. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Same time, same place. Shake your neighbors! Just shake them! Shake your neighbors!